era as i'll call it it's been pretty tough for artists everywhere some of us have retreated a little that's definitely me focused on other things that's definitely a lot of people i know all gone all in with new innovative ideas and one person who has definitely done the latter is my next guest jim he's a singer songwriter poet guitarist and storyteller working hard during these tough times to bring some of his pre-COVID ideas to life, including his latest project called Rookling, and a sort of semi-fan club international mail service called Raven Mail, though he won't like the term fan club, I'm pretty sure. Jem is also working on releasing his latest EP, The Book of Lost Things. He is busy all round, but I'm thrilled that we actually get a little bit of time with Jem. So welcome, Jem, to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm sitting in the park. The sun is shining. Uh, watching my friend 50 meters away flirt with a with a neighbor. It's all, it's all, all is good in the world. <laughs> I gave you a little bit of an intro there, but just tell us a little bit about yourself from your own words because i'm not sure how good my intro really was so what's your sort of deal today today in in a sort of broad, broad general sense of, of me right now in the present moment i'm uh, i'm a musician and it's actually probably the first time i've been able to say that with sort of 100 percent exclusive clarity that i am a musician and i do music and i play only music and that's uh, quite a nice place to be actually today um, I have done various things like study and then went into sort of translation and, and lots of sort of writing or language-based things as a freelancer, but always with the music um, on the side and think that I was going to bring out more and more. And that's, that's what's happened. I've had more and more music in my life and surprisingly right now, most ever. So uh, I'm a I'm a musician. I come from England. My my sound, my inspiration also always also comes from England, um, and I live in Germany. But um, my sort of tendency, my yearning is is back to England and uh, in in a in an artistic sense, you know. So where did where did your musical journey then begin with you? So you alluded to it then. You've come from uh, the uh, from England out here, but where did it all begin for you? Where did you start? really this journey with music well i let's go with my own music which is a slightly separate thing you know i've had music in my life um my whole life uh and but in terms of my own music so i had you know i was playing i was playing uh, an instrument or two when i was young and i was writing a lot when i was young as well um since since i can remember basically always writing and always um Always, sorry, my friend waved at me with his with his flirt. Um, always writing a lot, always playing a lot, and um, and then at a certain point, after twenty years of doing both, they suddenly just collided, and really uh, unlocked, exploded this 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 whole source of inspiration, which really which I really latched into, um, and and you know I I knew what passion looked like the first time, so um, then I started performing my own songs and. It was a long, long road to find a voice um, and literally as a, as a singer, find a voice and as a writer, find a voice. But 
that's I'm getting closer and closer, and particularly with this this latest project as Brooklyn. So essentially, I'm a I'm a soloist, sort of wandering bard, telling stories, and that's uh, how I start, and that's how I enjoy being even now. When the Lord met the devil, he said, "No, I wouldn't, but I could." When I feel my knuckles, I remember I could be a force for good. is something you mentioned just there which leads me on really yeah. nicely um what what is this exactly can you sort of describe the sound a little bit more of yeah. this um this journey or sort of project i guess doesn't really do its service but um can you sort of just explain a little bit more rookling uh it's it's from the word rook obviously and then with the little diminutive ling on the end and it's a little black bird and um i had this um I was writing under my own name or under a sort of slight artist name and I came around this and I wanted to bring focus to it so I came up with this name uh as as the idea of something that like if I imagine you had a tiny black bird as a pet and you kept it in your pocket and then sort of took it around with you it's like that that really precious treasured thing that you have and that's that's how I felt about my music about this this baby thing that I needed to um feed and grow and let it take on this wild life of its own sorry about the ambulance <laughs> um and so that's uh that was the idea behind it and it also has these sort of nat- nat- nature and folky sort of references the sound is really folky it's it's uh also the idea of the bird as a as an oracle figure it's got this folky prophet like uh feel about it i uh, people often come up to me after a show and say you sound like you were born 400 years ago or something like that um but it, i'm always talking about i'm using that sort of old soul i guess feeling that i that i can conjure to talk about uh the modern world what what's around me um so i'm i'm not a traditional uh trad folk singer i'm more of a sort of a storyteller as i say and rookling is really just a way of channeling what i do through this like character almost or at least just a characterful world and somehow even though it's not like a it's not like a band or anything other than just myself singing it it's like being able to put on that cloak has has really inspired me in the mm. year and a bit since I took I took on the name because you're working on a EP at the minute which we'll talk about in a minute um that EP being the book of lost things how did that sort of come about it, so you say that you're a sort of solo storyteller in that sense but there's quite a lot of um there's quite a lot of sort of uh, additional instruments and feel there like how did you create this piece of art that you're onto it was it was thinking of stripping things back uh, i did my first two singles last year and they were strongly instrumented with even sort of drums and and a bass and so that felt a bit more like an indie rock band indie folk band mm-hmm. um and and these ones there's there's a fair amount of decoration on there but the the sort of the thing behind it was to to make a first real artistic statement that represents how i play and how i play is solo that's how people like respond to me most deeply they just you know the, me in a room and so mm. 
the, the driving um, question behind this EP was how little can I add to six songs? How little can I add to them? Mm. Um, or how much is actually absolutely necessary? How much can I take away from them? And how little can I do while still having a really sort of profound effect? And I could, mm. I could just sit down in a, in, a, in a recording studio and just play guitar voice for six songs. I didn't want to do that somehow. I still wanted to have mm. some sort of decoration and have eat, like be able to sculpt each song a bit more, um, a bit more individually. But um, it is really minimal. Like the uh, one song has nothing. Another song just a harmonica. Uh, two of the songs just uh, a group of a group of backing singers, and then mm. a couple of others a bit more a bit more played around with a bit more design. But for example, no percussion mm. and no bass instruments. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was the idea. It really is like it, it's representative of. It's not a direct, direct representative of what I do live, just me in a room, but it it sort of symbolizes that and and really brings like me and my voice right inside your head in a mm. slight mm. creepy way. <laughs> what would you say are your um sort of sonic inspirations? Where do you get your sound from? Like what what sort of leads you to create the stuff that you just described? Um, sonic inspiration. I I like to think that my my arrangements, how the melodies and harmonies fit together, is uh, has a lot of baroque sensitivity to it. Sort of classical, um, old classical feeling, especially when it comes to choral arrangements. That's where I get my my kicks from um i spent a lot of time in choirs when i was a kid uh, i spent a lot of time my parents listen, my parents listening to baroque instrumental and classical music um but it is you know it is it is on a me and a guitar so it, it does then up end up sounding like sort of a kind of 60s folk revival feel we're mm-hmm. talking sort of joni mitchell and bob dylan uh and i guess a bit of the european feel of like leonard cohen in there i mean i, I always have this 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 anxiety a bit that people just listen to a bloke with a guitar and they're like, oh, that's another bloke with a guitar. And fair mm-hmm. enough, it is. But for me, we, from my perspective, where I can sort of sense out all of the differences, I, I definitely feel like I've got like a, a, a more classical influence in there and uh, listen to a fair amount of jazz as well. So there's some, some of that in there. Um, that's, that's my sonic influence. I'm not the leader of the band I don't have power in my hand I'm not a writer with a page I'm not a preacher with a stage So how does one in my position Make you listen In such a noisy age I just want to go back to something you mentioned right at the beginning and that is that you can now say that you are sort of a full-time or like a singer, songwriter, musician, you know, this is the first time you've really sort of felt comfortable in that. What sort of prevented you really jumping into that title, I guess? What, what has been the fear? It's interesting because you say it was about jumping in the title, and I think you're absolutely on the money. Although what I was trying to explain was that I, in terms of the time and the way I spend my life right now, I don't have any other jobs right now. I, I turned down a job. That could have got me, you know, a steady income, and I just thought, no, I, I can do it right now. But it was, it was definitely, a, it was a case of, 
to get to that point where I could say that I had to be completely comfortable in saying that I was a musician and and that hasn't probably wasn't really still the case that you know I still still getting warming into that um it I, there's no there's been no one else in my family who's just been an artist I guess and there's a sort of sense of legitimacy that I have to that I have to win and, and re-win all the time um about about art being a, a real job you know and that pressure is it just comes from myself um especially you know like i came up through the university system and uh had a, a sort of very privileged education where a lot of people go on to work as, as bankers and having a very you know or lawyers and having have a very good salary right now and, and see how professionally uh well they're doing and seeing how these stuttering baby steps i'm taking as an artist and with no like sort of really solid success behind my name i mean it's all a vanity thing but um it, it's it's difficult to, to stand behind that and say you know the thing that i really love and the thing that i really identify as it's not it's not a massive success when all, a lot of people around me are pretty you know impressive successes and just sit in that and say okay uh, there's a lot of work to do and i'm going to do it and i think that's the difficulty and sort of my my pride uh is holding me back my vanity I mean, that's a fantastic answer, and I wish I, I wish I had that sort of clarity myself to just <laughs> to just to just chase it. But I guess for you, then, especially now, you're not sort of allowed to play live with what one thing and another going on around the world. Has this really sort of, if you've just come to sort of terms with this now recently, and then COVID comes along, how has that really? affected you has it at all has it sort of knocked your confidence has it sort of knocked where you thought this would go how have you been coping with that i i i look at my own story and i think that all of the things that are changing now that it was in place already before the pandemic and i think if if the pandemic has made a difference at all it's accelerated some of the decisions i've i want i I was getting onto anyway things like the moment which I saw coming from the very beginning when I decided, okay, I want to really try this, but I was still doing lots of other jobs. I was thinking there's going to be a moment when I have to take the plunge into icy cold water, mm. and it just happened to be that I saw the moment happening now when I still have some government support money left over, and there aren't many jobs going around, and then I got offered one job. I had to decide, okay, do I take this now? Or do I turn it down? And that was a really sort of symbolic moment for me to be able to turn it down and say, uh, you know, I take liberty over security. So there was a moment. There was always going to be that moment. There was always going to be a moment um, when I took that plunge. And it happened to be now, and the, and the situation sort of happened in the way that it did. Um, but mm. I, I, I don't sense it. COVID didn't really like the pandemic. Didn't completely throw me off course in any way really it mm, sort of mm. hurried up i think a few terrifying decisions that were that were looming on the horizon anyway i guess like with that in mind though I, I, do you have any sort of concerns when we do or as if and when we do sort of transition into a post covid or whatever livable with covid world do you think there will be sort of are there any concerns or anxieties you have with the sort of music industry or live music scene i guess have you thought that far ahead or uh i was had enough anxieties 
deciding to be a musician at all in the <laughs> absolute mess of an industry it was before COVID. And actually now, I mean, I'm still sort of young and optimistic, and, uh, and, but I, I see it as a, almost like a, a chance of renewal because before, I mean, it was nonsense what was happening, what, how the music industry was, right? It was absolute nonsense. The fact that you can, you can get money from TV and advert mm. placement, you can sometimes get money from gigging if you play it right, but even you know a lot of people lose money on on tours, mm. especially with a, if you want to be ambitious on your tour. Mm. Uh, the only really way to make money is if you get you know if you get yourself sponsored by the state, which is luckily you know an easier thing here in sort of Central and Western Europe than it is in the UK anyway. Um, mm. But it, you know the whole thing with streaming, it mm. is an absolute joke, I mean, and yeah. that seems to be hitting home a bit more. People seem to be a bit more outraged about that. Uh, politics mm. might clock on at some point. And so that, I mean, for me, it, like it could get, a, for me, when I, the way I thought of it, it couldn't get much worse than how it was. It did get a little bit worse in that suddenly there was absolutely zero income streams. But yeah. there's so much potential for, you know, we've hit rock bottom in terms of culture, right? What can happen? And we need new solutions. And now that, that those solutions are so urgently needed that it just has to happen. Um, so I, I, there's a lot of things I wish they went back to the way they were. The music industry is not one of them. So I'm not actually too anxious. Traveller With one too many cases Left a little piece of me In one too many places Known the naked bodies Of one too many faces Oh, carry Let's on. talk about some of your projects that are definitely on the horizon and I want to mm. just focus on... Uh, Actually, I want to focus on uh, your EP first before we then talk about this interesting concept you have with the... Uh, Raven Mail, I think you call it, right? Mm. And we'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's talk about your EP. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about when that's sort of due, when we can hear more from that? Uh, it's looking like a spring 2021 release um, with a couple of singles before then. So uh, you might expect a single by the end of the year and then a second uh, early next year. And then the full thing... Uh, the full thing in, in the spring. Um, for now, uh, they're relatively new songs, some of them, and they have come up as, as video sessions online. So the, the songs themselves uh, and the message that they, that they bring um, are available, are becoming available gradually this month on YouTube as like live sessions, you know. Mm -hmm. And where can people find out more actually about your music while we're on that subject? Very good question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a little, um, I've got a website, rocklingmusic.com, uh, and also rock like a chess piece, and then ling, and then music. Uh, and then I've got all of the platforms, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if they want to just click and listen. I'm on Spotify already as well with a couple of old singles um, from last year. But I think a good landing page would be the Rookling website. And then you've got the links to everything and even a mailing list where I send around a bit more personal updates. Yeah, so that actually takes us very nicely to the last thing I wanted to very quickly talk about and end on. Because I think it's such a lovely, 
lovely concept that we talked a little bit about off air when we were preparing for this, mm. but you have this project, I guess is the best way to call it, slash international fan club mail service, <laughs> lyric sending service. I don't really know how we clarify it. Or like, from this phrase fan club. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't like the phrase fan club. We don't want to go too far into that. Good, but good. Um, Raven Mail, can you tell us a little bit more about what this is and where this idea came from? Yes. Now I have, a, I have an army full of ravens that are just squatting in my loft, ready to take uh, letters and inspiration uh, to, to addresses all over the globe. Um, that's the sort of, you know, the myth behind it. Mm. And uh, I sort of got the inspiration from, from Game of Thrones. I'm not a massive fan, but they have these messenger ravens. And I'm on this whole sort of bird imagery. It seemed to fit. The idea really was to keep music somehow the the musical sort of connection with people alive when no live music was possible um because i really really missed that of course didn't we all so it was how how do i get this how do i bring new things to people uh without that and then i kind of it kind of occurred to me that even without a global pandemic i you know i maybe turn up in a town and play a song and have maybe a really deep connection with uh, six or 60 people. And then, then I'd go home and there was no real way to keep that alive or to show, I mean, maybe I'd release a song every 12 months or something like that, or mm. six months mm. or an album or whatever, have one release. And then in between that, there's, there's nothing else really vital, living coming out in between live, live shows or in between songs. So I thought, what, like, how could I connect with people and, being the hopeless romantic I am, I decided mm. to write people letters. Uh, so every month I sit down, I handwrite a letter just about what, what's on my mind at that time. And I get a new lyric um, or a new poem. Just whatever I've been writing recently, something maybe at my back catalogue or at my recent catalogue um, of poems or lyrics. And I print everything out on beautiful paper Sort of, so it feels like some sort of experience, a thing that you can have, um, and also include a visual in there. And I feel like the visual sort of might be a sketch or a photograph of mine, uh, just from being out and about and taking nice photos. And I feel like the visual sort of brings a bit more sort of music and a bit more something intangible to the, the whole experience. And that comes in a beautiful, thick sort of Hogwarts-style envelope, and I send it. Uh, to, I've got about 20 people who sign up to it. It's uh, about three to five euros a month for our mates come over. See you, man. Uh, on the phone, I'll have to keep, uh, catch you later. Ciao. Um, and I send it, uh, it's about three, three to five euros a month, uh, according to how much you can pay. Um, and it's just something that I really love doing. I mean, it's, it's nice as a sort of little bit of income, like a little bit of merch almost. And it really... People like it to sort of get involved in this world of sort of myth and truth that I, that I sort of create in my writing. But I really love doing it. And I really love connecting with people that way and keeping alive that sort of um, that, that musical connection through correspondence. So the Book of Lost Things, we're going to expect that in spring 2021. And for more information, you can go to Brooklyn, brooklynmusic.com, I should say. Mm. So Brooklyn's earlier by accident, brooklynmusic.com. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, Jim, thank you very much for joining. Sorry to drag thank you out right. into the park. 
Not do anything inside where you can do it in the sun in the park. Yeah. Much safer these days, anyway, right? Apparently. Yeah, true. There you go. So. Lovely to chat. Thank you so much for having me. that's all we've got time for on this week's podcast thank you very much for joining thank you for your support for your comments for listening to the episode do keep all of your correspondence coming in it really is what makes the show and turns me on to new music and new people uh jem was one of these people who was actually forwarded on by a previous guest and i want to thank uh, you for that keeps me really up to date Thank you to Jem also for appearing on the podcast. It's a little more difficult without the in-person interviews these days. So I appreciate your availability and ability to get this working out in the best way possible. Coming up on the next episode, we're going to talk to a few more singer-songwriters. And next in line is a guy I love called Dom Jones. Not Tom Jones. I made that joke already. I'm sure he hears it a hundred times. Dom Jones. He'll be the next guest on the podcast wonderful guy who I met at an open mic in Berlin and we've hung out we've drunk together a lot and I really can't wait to see what he's been up to it's been a while since we caught up and you can hear what we talked about on the next episode of BPM pod as always go to Instagram go to Facebook go to bpmpod.com and I look forward to hearing from you there but until next time stay safe stay lucky everybody and I'll speak to you soon take care out there from my castle in the corner